Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. How is everyone? There. That's what I was waiting for. I didn't really know what to do with lack of response, especially with Priscilla sitting on the front row. <laughs> well, happy day after 4th of July. Today feels kind of more like the 4th of July because my 4th of July is always consist of rain. So today feels more 4th of July. But we have, um, in all honesty, this is my favorite lesson that I have read through, and I'm really pumped that I get to teach it today. Um, before we get going, I will preface it, and I will let you know that for me, this, I'm going to move this out of the way, but this particular lesson, Brian's taught it here before, and for me, the first time I ever heard it, it was a bit of a rub for me. Like, I did not respond the best. I don't know why this is here. I'm going to move. I know I am. I, I will remodel. I am very similar to Brian in that I get antsy, and he is much more disciplined in the sitting down portion than I am at this time. But no, the first time I ever heard this taught, I, I had never really heard it before, and I had never really understood it. And so I remember when Brian taught it, I went home that night, and I was irked. <laughs> I was unbelievably peeved with him. And I told him the next day, I'm like, I did not like your sermon yesterday. He goes, that's fine. You don't have to. You just need to learn and listen. And I'm like, yes, sir. So before we get going, I do know, and I will let you know now, that this is something that could potentially want to irk your flesh. But we're going to get past it. We're going to get through it. And it's going to be really good because this is, it's an incredibly important message. So I'm just going to open up with prayer, and we're going to get going. So dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your goodness. And I just thank you that you have placed us in this country where we get to live freely for you. God, we just thank you so much for all of the truths that you have for us. And we just lift today's lesson up to you. We just thank you for everything that you are because you are all good all the time, no matter what. And we just love you in your name. Amen. So today's lesson is called God's Not Guilty. And it starts off by going, today I want to share one of the most important things that God has ever done in my life. It seems people automatically believe everything that happens to them is from God, that he controls everything. The reason for this is that by definition, God is supreme, he is all-powerful, and they just assume that he controls everything that happens in their lives. And even unbelievers believe this. There are many Christians who promote this doctrine, and it has become ingrained in their lives. I believe what scripture teaches is contrary to this, and it's very important that you learn this lesson. James 1, 13 through 17 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, or I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so basically, it, Roger, will you put that up in the NLT for me? Uh, James 1, 13 through 17. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. This is one of those verses that I like to have and bear it speak and not necessarily eth 
and Shakespearean and whatnot. So God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. And 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. These verses make it clear that God is the author of good things. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief, and we talk about this all the time here, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. If it's good, it's God. And really this for me is the basic way to simplify doctrine down. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's Satan. Simple as that. It's very simple theology. The reason this is so critical is because James 4 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This says we have to submit or yield control to God and to resist the devil. And the word resist means to actively fight against. And in all honesty, this next little part's probably going to step on your toes, but it's a good stepping on your toes. When people believe everything that happens in life is totally from God, for example, sickness, failure in business, losing a job, rebellious children, or divorce, that puts them in the position of being passive. So basically what this is saying is that if I believe that God is in control of absolutely everything in my life, every good, bad, whatever decision, and let's say that George were to be go- walking down the street and get hit by a car, and I'm like, well, that's from God. God wanted him to get hit by that car. I don't want you to get hit by a car. I love you. But if, if that's what I'm believing, I'm glad that you feel the love. It's cool. Um, if that's what I'm believing, that doesn't, that doesn't cause me to get righteously angry at the devil. That just means, well, okay, God wanted George to get hit by a car today. Let's see what tomorrow has happened. And that's what this is saying. If we just believe everything is God, then we get passive. If, they re- if people really believe God is the author of a situation and is using it to punish them or to change them, then they would be fighting against him instead of resisting the devil. That's a big thing, and I'm going to read it again. If people really believe God is the author of a situation and is using it to punish them or to change them, then they would be fighting against God instead of resisting the devil. Yet James 4, 7 says, to resist the devil and he will flee from you. You have to submit yourself to God. This shows that certain things are of God and certain things are of the devil. There is a force of evil in this world and not everything that happens in your life is from God. And if you don't understand that, you will end up submitting to the devil and you will end up empowering the devil. Whew, okay. So my toes hurt. So I want to bring out a passage in Romans because it is misused so often. 
And Andrew Womack says that he's actually been to funerals where people who don't know anything about God, they don't go to church, and they know hardly any scripture, but they know this scripture, and they misuse it. And the scripture is Romans 8.28 that says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. This has been interpreted to say that whatever happens in your life, God does it and works it together for good in some way. He goes on to say that he was actually at a funeral for a young boy and girl who had been mixing alcohol and drugs, got into a car, drove too fast on a slick road, slid around a corner, hit a telephone pole, and were both killed. And the preacher quoted that scripture and said, we all know, thing, or we know all things work together for good, and said that God must have had a purpose for doing that. Well, God didn't kill those teenagers, and in a sense, you can't even say that the devil did it. It was the teenagers. I'm sure the devil enticed them to rebel against the standards that their parents and others had taught them. But ultimately, it was their choice. They're the ones who did the dope and alcohol. Did the dope? I'm sorry, that was a funny... I should have prepared for that statement. Anyway, <laughs> that did drugs and alcohol. <laughs> They're the ones that hit the telephone pole. That was a natural thing, and God was not the source of it. What does it mean when it says that we know all things work together for good? Well, first of all, it didn't say that we know all things come from God and work together for good. It says all things work together, but they put some qualifications on that verse. All things work together to those who love God. This scripture doesn't work for a person who doesn't love God. That is so obvious that it should go without saying, but it's amazing how people apply it toward instances like these young people who were using drugs and alcohol and were in total rebellion against God and his principles. This says it only works together for good who, to those who love God and to those who are, that are called according to his purpose. In John 1, 3, 8, it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. God manifested himself to destroy Satan's work. That's his purpose, and it will only work together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That is, those who are walking in this calling and are resisting the devil and are out to destroy the devil's works. Those who are resisting the devil and living for God can say that regardless of whatever the devil does in their lives, God can and will turn it around to work for good. We need to start discerning that God does not control everything in our lives. There is an enemy that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but Jesus has come to give life. We have to choose life and willingly receive and recognize that God's not guilty of everything that comes into our lives. If God was a physical human who did the things that he is accused of, such as putting cancer, deformities, depression, sorrow, and grief on people, Andrew says that he guarantees that there isn't a government on earth that wouldn't arrest or imprison or try to stop him. Yet we think God, who is so much more merciful than any person that we have ever met in our entire lives, is going around striking people and doing this. There are some things that are demonic attacks, and some that are natural, and not all disasters are God-ordained. 
The insurance company is right in their policies, acts of God, such as earthquakes and pestilence. No, God's not the answer of all this stuff. And so for me, I know that the first time I actually really heard this preached was sitting in these chairs and Brian was teaching it to us. And for me, this particular lesson for me goes right hand in hand with what we've been talking about here. Flesh reality versus a spirit reality. And for me, this was something that I had always waged against because in my spirit, when I would hear stuff like, well, God caused, caused Hurricane Katrina, and they just, mu- I mean, did you see those people down there? They're not living for God. That was God wiping them out. See, when I would hear stuff like that, in my head, I'm like, I, I guess that makes sense. I, I, I guess so. But it didn't sit well with me. And in my spirit, it just, it just always ate me up, and it wouldn't make sense. And so I felt like I was continuously confused. Uh, and I, I didn't get it. And so I remember Brian standing up here and him teaching on um, the verse that says that God has given the earth to man and that we're the ones that have dominion over the earth. And I remember getting so upset that I didn't talk to Brian for pretty much a day because I'm like, that is stupid. I'm not in control. God's in control. I don't have power. God has power. And, but in my spirit, it made sense. It was just in my head. It was this huge war that was going on. But as soon as I realized that it doesn't mean that God loves us any less, it means that God loves us more. He gave us the ability to choose. He gave us the ability to make decisions. For me, recognizing this lesson and the realities that come from it was the biggest source of freedom because it meant that God was actually the God that I wanted him to be. He wasn't this destructive, horrible, nasty God that will go around wiping out people with plagues and wiping them out with cancer and hurting them and causing all this crap to come on them. And I said that word again. Rachel's going to giggle so much. Anyway, um, it's not like he's causing all of this really bad stuff. God loves everyone so much. And in realizing this, there was this freedom to be able to love him without question. But this is also something that I think we've kind of become ingrained with almost. I know, and in all honesty, I can use yesterday as a perfect example. I woke up in a really not happy mood yesterday, and I, I felt bad because it's the 4th of July. It was the first 4th of July that George and I were going to get to spend together, and I just woke up in a really bad mood. I'm like, you know what? I, I should have just turned around, not even come to Fayetteville today. Today's going to be a nasty day. And George was awesome, and he's like, no, that's not the case. That's not what this is saying, so we're going to have a good day. And I'm like, okay, we're going to have a good day. So we go out to lunch, and we, had, and we have a wedding coming up, so I've been trying to eat healthier with different things. And so we go out to lunch, and we decided that we were going to be really intelligent and have fried pickles as an appetizer for stuff. Uh, yeah, it was exciting for a second. And then afterwards, almost immediately, I did choose it. It was not George's decision. It was mine. But so we go out, and we have lunch. And I felt great during lunch, and we had a super fun time. Then we went to a museum, and we were outside, and all of a sudden, I felt so 
unbelievably sick. Like, I felt so horrible. And so we went to the museum. We walked around the museum outside. We did the museum inside. And we were supposed to go, um, we were supposed to go watch fireworks and stuff. And George was like, we are not going to go to a place where there's not, like, some sort of restroom and, a, like, a very amount of, because you're probably going to throw up and it's fine. So we ended up going back to his place. And the entire time, I, in my head, was, I shouldn't have gone. I should have just gone home. George would have had a better day today if I had just gone home. See, I wasn't supposed to come here. I'm already sick. And this this pack of lies is going through my head because I was assuming stupidly, and I know better, but I was assuming I got sick because I wasn't supposed to be there and I was contrary to the word of God. And the Holy Spirit is sometimes pretty frank with me. And so I'm sitting there on his couch being like, I'm so stupid, I should have gone home. And he's like, you're not stupid, dummy. You just shouldn't have had the fried pickles. You would have been fine. And that's all it is. It's I had been assigning God ordained me to get ill so that we didn't do anything because I shouldn't have been there when all it was was I made a stupid decision. And that's all it is. And sometimes it's really hard to take that responsibility onto ourselves. It can be really difficult to just be like, okay, you know what, God? You're giving me control. I'm the one that can change the situation. I'm the one that can fix this stuff. I, Deb said it exactly. I made the mistake, not God. And that can be really difficult to do. But at the same time, it's, there's also this immense freedom that comes from it because we can trust that God's going to do everything good for us. If it's a bad thing, then immediately in my head now, I know, and sometimes it'll take me a second to work through the fried pickle debacle, but some immediately it'll be, you know what, this wasn't good, this isn't God. If it's not good, it's not God. If it's bad, it's not God. Plain and simple, and there's this huge freedom, because no longer do I have to sit under somebody teaching me in Bible studies, or hearing it on the news that God sent this massive disaster somewhere, because no, God didn't do that. God loves people everywhere. He's not going to wipe them out just for the kicks of wiping them out. Today's message is one that I have to continuously teach myself all of the time. But all of the time, it always brings me back to the point that God is good. God's plans are always good. And that he loves me enough to trust me with making decisions. And even if I make some stupid ones, he's still going to work that out for good. He's always going to work stuff for my benefit because I love him and I'm seeking him first in my life. So with that, I have some questions. And I would like Rebecca, because I'm just going to pick volunteers. They're not even going to be volunteers. I'm going to pick people. So I would like Rebecca, um, if you will read James 1.13, they'll put it on the thing. And Tara, you're going to do James 1.17. And Abby, you are going to do John 10.10. So, Rebecca. You're welcome. And remember. It is on. I don't think it's on back there. Is it on? Did you have a good fourth? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think it's on now. All right. You can talk into my ear. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, 
who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Okay. Does God cause men to be tempted by evil? No. Boom. Thank Yay. you. Priscilla. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, Tara. I'm sorry. I was going to call you next. I forgot I called Tara first. You look pretty. Was it? Oh, good. It was. The answer is no either way. But <laughs> will you put up James 1.13? Will you read the verse that Rebecca was supposed to read, too? <laughs> Oh, you're okay. good. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Okay, so that was the verse. So, again, Rebecca's answer stands. So will you read the one that Rebecca read, too? Okay. James 1, 17. <laughs> Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who, is, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Where do good gifts come from? From God. From Zach. God. Yes, ma'am. Abigail. John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Who is the thief? Uh, the devil. The devil. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, shoot. Priscilla, if I will, if I could have you read John ten ten. Yeah, it's ten ten. I promise. Yeah, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'm gonna give you two questions. Ready? Okay. Okay. Uh, what are his purposes? The thief's purposes? To steal, kill, and destroy. Okay. And what's the reason that Jesus came? To give life. Boom. Thank you. Deb, if I could have you do James 4, 7. George, if I can have you do Romans 8, 28. And Paul, if I could have you do Acts 10, 38. And you're also going to do 1 John 3, 8. I'm going to have you do two. <laughs> you're welcome. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What is the result of submitting yourself and resisting the devil? Submitting yourself to God. He will flee from you. Boom. Exactly. Thank you. George, can I please have you do the next verse? <laughs> and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Brian should have you laugh every time. You don't do your James Earl Jones voice then. Okay. Does, Roman, does Romans 8.28 say that all things are from God? No. Simple. Thank you. Paul, your turn. It's because of the headband. That's why you're up here. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Don't be jealous. I'm not. <laughs> it is respect right now. No. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with <clears throat> with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Is sickness from God? No. Okay. And if you will also do 1 John 3, 8. But when people keep, <coughs> keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the, since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. 
what was the purpose that the Son of God was manifested? To destroy the works of the devil. Exactly. Thank you, sir. Brian, do you have anything else that you would? Sure. <laughs> Please know I asked Brian if he had anything else, and his response was, sure. <laughs> no, but it, as Brian's preparing himself to come up, I, I really, really think that this is a lesson that we need to continuously think on throughout the rest of the week. Like as stuff happens, as stuff happens at your work that may not be your most favorite thing, or as stuff happens at home, like you start fighting or something at home or some, the next bad thing that happens, rather than be like, well, God's trying to teach me something through this. Is he? Is he trying to teach you something through this? Or is there a door that's been allowed it open for Satan to get into? I mean, in all honesty, that, that's what it can be. It can be an attack. It can be I opened a door and something, something negative took place. But you know what? God's going to spin it continuously for my good because I love him. All right. So I'm going to try not to preach. I'll give that to you in the next service. Amen. <laughs> so glad you are excited for that. That's good. So, yeah. This, I almost didn't come up, so I wouldn't because I'm kind of overflowing. So, will you put up the scripture, Psalms 115, 16? So, one of the things, there's a verse in the scripture that says this. It says, everything in the earth is mine. You know, God says, the cows are mine, the, the gold is mine, the silver is mine. And that talks about possession, Okay, so which is great because he's our loving father and I want a daddy who has everything. So that's awesome for us. Right. Amen. Amen. So but then you have this scripture which says the heavens belong. Uh, let's put it in the New American Standard there. Um, so it says the heavens are the Lord's, but it says the earth he has given to the sons of men. Now, this really speaks of authority. Okay, so the other one is possession. This one is authority. So God reigns over heaven, and what he wants us to do is to pull heaven down on earth. In other words, he wants the will of God to be done on earth, which is why Jesus told us to pray that way. But he has given the earth to mankind. Okay. In other words, he's given the authority of earth to mankind, and this goes right along with everything that you're saying, and it's that kind of that message that we were talking about so here's the here's the issue everything rests on the nature and the character of God if the Lord's word did not come true so let's say that this uh, word right here this promise was broken well then the nature and the character of God comes to nothing yeah. and the fabric of our strength comes to nothing and so then guess who gets to legally take over the devil well what happens then well then the whole world you know what the devil is going to do we just read the scripture he only comes to steal kill and destroy so that's what he's going to do he's going to steal kill and destroy so when the lord uh, said this and gave his authority over the earth to mankind and he did it in the garden to Adam and he said take dominion this is your domain you know, basically take the blessing that I'm giving you be fruitful and multiply when he said that if he just came in after mankind sinned 
And we did a message called, Why Didn't God Just Snap His Fingers and Fix the Problem? The problem is, if God just swooped in and fixed the fall, fixed the curse, then that promise just got broken. The fabric and nature of who God is, his character, is now broken, and now the whole world is in a lot of trouble. Okay, Now the devil, because Adam submitted uh, to the devil in that sin, the devil now takes over, and you and I, we... We probably would never be here because it would have just turned into utter chaos. So here's one of the great promises. Why did God have to have a man to come fix this? Why did he send Jesus? Because he had to have a man that would take the authority that he had given to mankind, and that man had to walk through and do everything right, and then he could go through and be made a sacrifice and take the keys of death, hell, and the grave back from the devil. And then when he was arisen and he was about to ascend into heaven, one of the last things he said was, all power and authority is given to me. And that left nothing for the devil amen now and then the question is where does the devil get that power and he gets that power from us because jesus said i have all power and authority therefore you go in other words i'm giving you now that power right back so the power and authority rest in the hands of his body and when the devil ends up with power in our lives, it's because we allow him to have that power. That's where his power and authority. But if we will humble ourselves to the plan of God, to the promises of God, to the love of God, submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, he's got to flee because he doesn't have any. All he does is he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's not a lion He's as one, yeah. and he's looking for the person that doesn't know this, that we just talked about this morning. And that person who won't stand and resist, that person who won't trust that God is good, that he loves us with no variation, that person is the one that the devil can devour, and he will. And see, that's why that particular message didn't necessarily sit the best with me, because there's a lot of... I mean, in all honesty, I was not as mature as I should have been when I first came here. I wasn't. So when I heard that, and I heard, and it's pretty much verbatim from what I remember Brian saying the first time, I left super irritated because I'm like, no, I'm not doing all this stuff wrong. That's not why all this Satan's here. And that's exactly what it was, is I was giving Satan the authority in my life. It wasn't that God was doing all this stuff, and I was just like, oh, ho-hum. I need to carry on having all this junk poured on me. It was, I, I let this happen. And so I don't want you to leave here feeling condemned by that. Like, I don't want Satan to at all steal the seed of this message today from you. So regardless of what has been happening in your life, of how much junk may have been going on, how many doors may have been left open for Satan, with the same amount of power that you had to open those doors, you have even more power to shut them back up. 
You do not have to let Satan trample all over you. That's not what the bulk of this is. This message is not saying, you've been messing up, that's why this is happening. That's saying, you know what? You probably just didn't know the power that you had within you to completely destroy the works of the devil. But guess what? You have all power and all might because you have the holy and living God living inside of you. So you don't have to let this happen anymore. You have the power in you to bring heaven to earth. You have the power in you to completely transform what your life looks like. If it looks like the pit of hell, you get to shut those doors up and bring heaven into your life. That's what this message is, is all power and authority on this earth. It's yours to have and do whatever you want with. So if you have messes happening and you don't want them anymore, don't let them. That's what this boils down to is if you don't like it, stop it. And you have that power within you to change that. That's why this message is so cool. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to get ready for service because Brian is an overflow, and it's going to be a good one, y'all. So dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you for how much love you have for your people. I thank you that you are not satisfied seeing any single one of your children in any sort of mess, in any sort of hell, in any sort of pain, in any sort of sickness. God, that's not your will. That's not who you are. That's not you. You are love. You are purity. You are holy. You are mercy. And God, we just pray that today, any sort of doors that we may have allowed open for Satan to kick the junk out of us, God, we just pray that right now in your Holy Son's name, that they are shut, that we see that we have the power to shut Satan out of our lives. And as of this moment in time, there is nothing that Satan has over us. As of this moment, we are choosing to shut the doors on anything that's not you and the fullness of you. God, we just love you so much, and we thank you for everything that you are. Be with us as we go.